OWC Radio number 29, a conversation with Daniel East. And thanks for downloading the newest episode of OWC Radio. This is the 29th episode. Hey, I want to thank you guys personally. There's a lot of other things you could be listening to right now. And, oh, I just lost like, oh, half the audience right there, Daniel. I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) (laughs) So joining me this week is Daniel East. Daniel, you've got a very impressive resume. So what are the titles? What, What do I call you? I know you're the CEO of the ECI group, but what is that? ECI Group, it's something that I started kind of by necessity. I had left a, a pro audio company that I've been with for, for over a decade. And what I really saw happening was a lot of the, the people that were involved in marketing had been let go when times got tough, which is really unfortunate. People lost sight of uh, what was really important in promoting their businesses and their products and so forth. So the idea was to get a lot of the better consultants together to work with creative marketing to come up with ways to maximize visibility when you don't have a budget or for a smaller company or venue or a recording artist or a tour or whatever it was in order to be very effective with a very modest budget and putting together a team to do that. So I've been really lucky to to have access to some great people who have participated and to do what I really love, which is helping people to make the most of what they have without spending a huge amount of of money. Now, a lot of the people listening to this podcast are obviously Mac users, and they're probably hearing the name Daniel Easton going, where do I know that name from? That sounds very familiar. Well, the truth is... It's not the post office wall. (laughs) It's not on the post office wall, right, or on the train station on a wanted poster. (laughs) Um, I know that you've been a writer for a long time, but you've got a very prestigious history on some of the publications you've written for in the past. Let's go through those a little bit. I mean, you're you're a longtime Mac user. What was the first Mac-type magazine that you wrote for? I really started out with the user groups and was was publishing a newsletter um, originally with the group in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, a little north of Philadelphia, the Bucksmont Mug, which is still in existence, a great group of people, some of the best people uh, with members ranging from some of the biggest designers for major corporations down to mom and pop local uh, area businesses and an amazing experience to be around. So we started with that. Uh, You know what? Let me stop you for a second. A lot of writers that are out there now got their start with the user groups. I don't think that's going forward is going to be as true as it was, but I think that from our generation of writers and content producers, it was the user groups that got them started. Oh, without question. And, and it was a great experience to be around. And one of the things that's happening today, and we're really looking at user groups again, because so much information is, is available online that, that people don't need the groups as they used to. However, uh, a few people uh, have been talking to me about coming up with a new generation of, of how to deal with user groups to make it a lot more fun, a lot more current, uh, to incorporate um, some some big events that that won't necessarily you know 
as politely as I can say this, seem uh, like a senior dinner. I know exactly um, what you mean. The the last I, user I have group great meeting. Respect, you know, but oh, I understand. But you know that you can only go so far when all of your members are in their sixties and seventies. You have to get a younger generation in there to infuse an enthusiasm into the group and to continue it for the next fifteen to twenty years. Exactly. Yeah, and I don't see well, that happening, unfortunately. It's been a huge avenue for me. The writing aspect of things, I, I've always been involved in doing presentations and involved with the media for a long time. And it was really wonderful to, to start at that point when we, we grew into what was um, the tri-state uh, user group team. We, we had groups from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, and then we became, um, I guess, Mid-Atlantic was next, and that eventually became the Apple Groups team, which is global, and we had several hundred uh, user groups involved. And it was an amazing uh, catapult for me to be able to write and to, to build the relationships, especially with some of the companies that were just starting to explore the platform. So it was really lucky for me to, to have that as a starting point. What were you doing in the meantime? Because obviously that wasn't your full-time gig. Uh what were you well, doing on the – I mean, because the Mac stuff has kind of been a, a side for you for a long time. What were you doing to to bring down the mortgage payment? How were you – you know, you got to <laughs> feed the family. What were you doing? Well, I did a lot of things. It's funny. The Mac kind of came first. Um, I was very, very fortunate that when I went to school, um, we had a, a – a, someone – Obviously, at the time, who was very wealthy, contributed a uh, an, an Apple One uh, to the to the to the what was then junior high. I guess they call it middle school now. And I was really lucky to be one of the people that took to it immediately, and uh, and was really fortunate to be able to see that in its infancy. And so it all came together. There were there were a lot of a lot of blurring of the lines, if you will. Uh, my my real background is in music. Uh, at a very young age, uh, I was very lucky to to go to the Creative and Performing Arts High School in Philadelphia, wow. which also had a a program to bring Apple products in. And we had a an Apple II, a two CI, and I was already trained. <laughs> so the movie and, Fame was all about your life, basically. You know, it's funny. <laughs> it, it, it's it's really it's really not that different. When the when the original fame came out, there when were I few, say fame, that's what I mean. I don't mean this. Yeah. I, I know they just came out with another one, but I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> when I say fame, I mean the the very dark and gritty fame from the 70s. Well, we were we were told at the time that some of the kids from our school had actually gone up and participated in the movie, and there was an exchange program back then where uh, JFK, I think it was in D.C., and and uh, Creative Performing Arts in Philadelphia, and the Performing Arts High School in New York would send a few students from each to the other, hmm. and and it really wasn't that different. It, what really touched me about the movie was funny that the lunchroom jam scene was something that we did on a regular basis. We used to roll an upright piano into the, uh, there was no cafeteria. This was, it was in the, uh, an office building in downtown Philadelphia at Broad and Spruce in, in what was the, um, uh, the, the arts college. Uh, um, I can't remember what it was called now because it's all now the university of the arts. And, uh, 
And it was like that. It was crazy. And we would just, we would just rock out. We would do it in the, in the 19th floor men's room. We they had better <laughs> acoustics. And so we would bring drums and guitars and, and we would just sit out and we were lucky that we had that. We, we had no real cafeteria. We had no PE program. We would have to walk through whatever to get to some place to play basketball or something. But um, yeah, it was, it was great. And again, music, Mac. Apple was always around for me, and uh, I always felt that connection because, obviously, as things progressed, we had access to all the great music software, and even even the earliest earliest music software was always for the Mac. So it, it made perfect sense to me. There's still such a synergy between the Mac and music, probably more now than ever before. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been to or seen concert footage. And somewhere on the control board, you see that little glowing Apple logo. How how prevalent is Apple's products, not just the Mac, but maybe the iPhone, iPad, still in the music industry? It's tremendous. I mean, it it's amazing to see the – I would guess, and I this is not based on any fact, but my personal experience and having been out with a lot of tours and working with a lot of producers and studios um, – I would say probably 90%, probably more than that, probably 95% are, are Mac-based. And, and you talk about where, where I've been able to, to, you know, to pay the mortgage along the way. The design end of things, working in marketing, working in music, and walking into a situation to be able to not only help with the audio or as a, as a musician, uh, but to also say, oh, I have a copy of Disc Warrior right here. If you're having, I can fix that for you. Yeah. I'd take care of that right now. And so there were. I, it's when I joined ACN years ago and became a, a, a consultant, and just because I could. I mean, that was really the the best part of it was, you know, to be able to offer whatever was needed. And again, they they intertwined perfectly. So uh, all these things were part of how I I was able to make a living, both when I was on the road and and performing or or involved with production. Or just, you know, looking for work as a designer. Any idea where that synergy between Apple and the music industry came from? Or is it just the fact that Apple kind of had a sense of style? And let's be honest, in the music industry, when we talk about style, I don't mean the clothes that people wear. I'm talking about the different styles of music. It's artistic. And when you look at the Apple products, even going way back to the Apple II, they had that where other companies really didn't. And they help, they also had the the interface. I yeah. mean, there's no question that that you had to be more than a tech person to to operate a PC. Although it worked wonderfully well for some people, people that were more linear thinkers that were more involved in data were did incredibly well back then. Um, but the yeah, difference but it's the aesthetics I think uses, that brings people right. in now because yeah, it's the ease of use. Is, but you don't get that before you're going to buy it. You're not you're not going to understand that ease of use if you've never used a computer before, or if you've been using a PC for any length of time. You really don't understand how much it's. It's not that it's easier; it's just more intuitive, in my opinion. But fewer you know, steps. Yeah, it's fewer, fewer steps. steps, right? And stuff gets out of your way to let you work, which is really important. But you don't know that before you buy that initial iMac or what have you, or mm-hmm. iPhone or iPad. You don't know that until you actually buy it. So I think a lot of times it is the aesthetics of the Apple products that people are drawn to. They just look yeah. a lot better. They look like they're well built. And and even the anti-aliasing yeah. alone. 
That's you know, true. Just, just the smoothness of the appearance in the text. It's one of the reasons I, I spoke to a friend to just, a, just recently who said, I won't use a BlackBerry because the jagged text. It makes me think of, of when is it going to crash? When is it going to crash? I, I use my iPhone for everything. Um, that's something that people really don't think too much about is just the, the small little touches here and there that's obviously given great weight with an Apple and that we don't even maybe perceive on a conscious level. But, but that's the brilliance there. of it. Exactly. It's the spit and polish that's, that's not apparent, that you just feel that it's a smoother, you know, it's a better user experience to use their terminology. You know, the user experience is always such a big thing. But it's also, to use another horribly overused <laughs> term that's used today, it's more engaging. Yes. You know, it's... It's more engaging to use a Mac. And it is because you want to keep going. When you start doing something and the light bulb goes on, you go, hey, I know how to do that now. You want to try stuff. You know, you, you, it's exciting to be able to, to – um, uh, one, one of my favorite um, examples is, is I, I always refer to Photoshop, not just because I write for magazines and all that, but because I think it's a brilliant, brilliant piece of software. It's, years ago it was explained to me – Photoshop user Photoshop as software is one of the few applications that can be used both by an end user consumer and industrial light and magic. Yep. Absolutely. And every time I work with or watch Terry White or Scott or any of the guys at at any of these things or any of the great Photoshop guys, I always learn something. As I've been with Photoshop since version 1. Love it. I, I'm amazed by what it can do. I don't probably use 35% of what it's capable of, but a lot of it I still do the old way by hand, and I, I still prefer it. Um, but it's, it's amazing to me to see that you can create a digital background for a major mo- motion picture with the same software that I use to take the dark yeah. circles out from under somebody's eyes. You Absolutely. Know? When Photoshop became a verb, I knew that it was, you know, this was something really... And Adobe Almost hates magic. that, by the way. I know they do, and I couldn't care less. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, how many times have you said, oh, that's been Photoshopped? Well, maybe. Well, <laughs> sure, they don't want to diffuse the brand. and, and Yeah, you know, but when your brand becomes I, a verb, that's, you absolutely. know something's right. Yeah, it's, you know. it's phenomenal. And uh, it's even better now in CS5. I mean, so what no was problem. the very, very first Macintosh that you owned? <laughs> the first the first one that I owned myself that I purchased was probably an LC. Mm. The original LC or the LC2? Yeah. yeah. LC and I had an LC2 and I had what's funny is I have all, shy of the LCs. I have almost I think I have every single one and they all still work too. I have my power computing which were my my absolute favorites. Oh, that was your uh, favorite Mac of all time? At the time. Well, let's discount what's out there right now because, you know, there's so much faster. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, a different generation. Yes. At that time, I had a, um, I believe it was a PowerWave 150. Mm-hmm. And power computing, and I'll tell you who it was, Rennie Riggs, who, who had been with Apple and was with power computing, is probably as responsible for my sticking with Apple products than anyone. He was available. He was an amazing guy and still to this day one of the most brilliant eclectic minds I've ever dealt with. He is His scope of knowledge is spectacular. Rennie Riggs a great guy. And he was one of the guys who said to me, just wait. This is the beginning of greatness. 
And he said, let's do this. This machine, you'll see. It was the first machine you could put two gig of RAM in. And back then, that it was, was huge. Like saying to someone, you could put a terabyte of RAM in a, in a computer today. Yep. I mean, it was, it was unheard of. And he was one of the first guys who said, hey, talk to, talk to Newer about their, their G4 upgrade card. It'll run beautifully. And check out, you can have two drives. I mean, these were things that nobody was really doing. And the machine was just incredibly reliable. And I learned about shortcuts. And these things were in their infancy. And Rennie was the guy who really turned me on to all that stuff and made it cool. Because he understood it. And he's another music guy, too. I don't, I don't know anybody whose range of, of knowledge uh, is is more vast than his, and and I actually just reconnected with him maybe two years ago in Nashville, uh, or in Austin. I guess it was in Austin. Uh, and and he's still in the industry. He's not involved directly, to my knowledge, today. But uh, he's still uh, an there. amazing guy, and I and I'm so appreciative for the fact that he said, "Here's here's what's really cool about Max that you already love in this box." And I was sorry to see that end. Um, do you agree with the decision now? Looking I back, I understand and respect the decision. I believe that it was effective for them to do. However, um, I thought that having I, I don't I only think it helped to improve the quality of the hardware um, for everybody, including for Apple, because they were able to see. And it was the only one. I know there were, you know, whatever, three companies or four companies, however many were doing it. But in terms of the clones, I thought for me, for what I needed to do, that the power computing machines by far were the best thought out, the most versatile, the, the best for what they could do. In terms UMAX of- did a good job as well, but the power, the, the, I agree, they were, they were better machines. Um, but it was a lot easier for the clone manufacturer than Apple because they were a lot smaller, a lot more nimble. They could change on a dime, and they didn't have to go through so many huge committees to get anything done. That was half the problem with Apple at the time. But right. also, you have to remember their mandate from Apple to become a clone licensee was to expand the market. And more than anybody else, because I personally, I think UMAX actually tried to expand the market with very inexpensive machines. Um selling it to home users but at a market that Apple really wasn't competitive in. Um, all power computing really did was dig into Apple's core business. Uh, they were cheaper. They were faster. They were more advanced. Definitely. And, and they weren't as bottom line conscious as – Right, exactly. As, uh, even UMAX. UMAX was always like they they – they lacked the tactile appeal. You yes. picked up a power computing box, and it felt like a piece of of real. Right, a UMAX just felt like proper. another beige PC. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I I love the power PC machines, and uh, I distinctly remember their CEO holding up a laptop, a prototype laptop, saying, "You'll never see this," <laughs> right. and it broke my heart. But by the same token, they weren't expanding the market then. They were eating Apple's current customers, taking them away from Apple. And uh, I think that was half the problem, personally. I wonder how that would have translated into the current hardware offerings if, if, and and I'm not saying that I suggest or recommend this by any means, but if suddenly you could have another company making, and this of course will never happen, but another, you know, something that would run the, the iPhones OS or the, you know, an iPad or, or something like that, what people would come up with just, 
to see what the designs would be like. Not because I think it's a good idea, but, but I think it would be interesting to see uh, that type of of I think open you are brain it, trust. Though. You know what I mean? I, well, I think yeah, you are. I think of, the Android, the, the, at least the handsets themselves, um, you're seeing the other companies kind of following what Apple's doing. Unfortunately, I don't see them doing anything unique. If you look right. at any of the new smartphones out there, and I hate that word smartphone, but they all look like <laughs> the ba- yeah. They all look like the bastard child of the iPhone. I mean, they're not doing anything at all original. And I think to answer that hypothesis on your part, I don't think you would see anything different. I I think there's something special about the way Apple connects with our subconscious on these little plastic devices that just makes us want them. And I think the competitors feel exactly the same way. So they make tweaks here and there, and they try to release a product that looks, at least in their uninformed opinion, like an iPhone. Even though it's cheap, you can see seams, it doesn't fit together well, the OS isn't quite as rock solid as the iPhone OS, and there's problems with it, but it looks similar. So I think that if, if, if we did see that, if Apple allowed clones of the iPhone or the iPod Touch or the iPad even, I think they would look very similar to what we already have, what Apple's I, already I doing. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think what's what's really kind of, well, uh, I mean, to put it, to put it bluntly, um, I don't like the, the Androids. Uh, I, I like, I can appreciate what's behind it, but I, I, to, to Apple's credit, all of the focus groups and research aside, all of the 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 little details that go along with being a huge corporation in the CE market, they do over time a very very thorough job of responding to the quote unquote wish lists of their end users. Yep. And even if they don't agree with all of them, there's some that certainly make perfect sense to you and I that might not necessarily work in an international market or whatever. But the bottom line is. When you when you look at what they've done up until this point, and not speaking of anything, you know that that could potentially appear or not. When you look at what they've done, particularly in the in the notebooks and even in the iMacs, I don't know anybody who doesn't like the improvements. They may be looking for other improvements that may not have materialized yet. But when you look at the difference in the performance and in the graphics and in the displays and being greener and, and all of those things, it's, it's really brilliant. I mean, it's, it's incredibly effective and people are responding to it yep. beautifully. I, I can't wait to see what the Mac Pros turn out to be at whatever point in time we see that, which I'm uh, imagining would not be far off. So it's amazing to see how they do it. Here's a question for you. It's kind of a rhetorical question. What's the biggest tech company in the world right now? Well, we know that the answer is Apple. Did you ever think, and and for myself, the answer is no, but did you ever think that we would have a discussion wherein, talking about just market capitalization, Apple is worth more than Microsoft? Is that Honestly, unbelievable? That's, it's uncanny. Talk about be careful what you wish for, you know? And that's that was going to be my next question. It was cool to be for the underdog when you knew that this company, the smaller company, had superior products and software and hardware, that their users are much more loyal, and there's a big bad guy out there who gets everything wrong, 
consistently and steals I ideas was, from I that, everybody else. I thought else. I was the guy who got everything wrong. Yeah, no, that's me. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so we're rooting for this company. We're unpaid evangelists. And here we are, mid-2010, and Apple is now the big boy in the block. How does that make you personally feel? Is it is it odd? Is it... Are you happy? No, I think it's I think it's really gratifying in in some ways and a little frightening in others. You know, when when it started to make its way through Twitter and and Facebook and and everywhere else that that this had changed that the that the tide has changed so to speak. You could almost feel the collective cheering going on. Yeah. You know, for people that have have been around Apple like like I have and like you have and and so many people that that were there really really early on. Um, feel like, wow, see, I told you, you know, then you don't want to play the I told you so game. But I mean, it was really amazing that, boy, this is really a milestone. This is something to be proud of. At the same time, when the, you know, you, the company sort of has become the very thing that you fought against. They, yeah, you yeah. know, but you want to hope that they learn from their own successes and that they don't create the, the same problems yeah. that that, that which can rise can also fall. Yeah, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Right there, you go. Absolutely. You know, and and I I really believe that they've done a better job in their method of ascension than Microsoft did. Do you think Microsoft that- was so was made made you reliant? Yes. Apple made you want to be reliant. Yes, there is a big difference there. Absolutely. But do you think there's anybody at Apple to tell the king that he has no clothes on? Do you think that there is a role for somebody or that is filling that role at Apple? I, I can't really say. Um, I have to imagine there is. I, I can't imagine I, that a company could come out with this many award-winning products. And, and to be clear, I'm not a fan of Apple. I'm a fan of their products. There's a lot of things that company does that really ticks me off that I'm really against. Um, but – I do admire the company and I love their products, but I don't no think question. a company could come out with. I mean, the iPad is just a brilliant device. I mean, it's a game changer. Somebody's got to be questioning decisions there, right? I I don't know if it's questioning decisions as much as it in a much. I don't mean to oversimplify it this way, but there's a lot of great brainstorming, and I I believe that that Apple allows that to happen. And that if you for for as big as they are, and and certainly I I can't comment on how they are as a company. I've never worked for Apple, and and I don't really know that I would necessarily. Mm-hmm. But I've been really fortunate to be around them for a long time, and and to see some of the things that that aren't really available to everyone. And from what I myself have seen, again I can't speak for anyone else or or in the grand scheme of things, but for what I myself have witnessed, if you really feel like you have a brilliant concept and you can present it it will be responded to and if you make your way up the chain it, it can be huge I've been on the other side of the table with third party companies and seen how things are handled they don't make it easy there's no question about it but I respect how it's done because if it were my company so to speak you certainly want to protect your brand 
and only align yourself with the things that are the very best. Sure. And you know that they will acquire some of those things or they will help foster them. And I was very fortunate to be with, with companies and, and people and products that Apple chose to foster, to, to embrace and say, this is really cool. It might not be for us, but we're going to help you make this you know, a, a bigger deal. And, and it is. And they've been wonderful with that. So just based on my own experience, I can't say anything bad about that. I, I, I really think that as a company, when you really truly look at the full scope of what they have to address and why, even if I don't agree with the decision, I have to respect how well thought out it is. And nothing is done with a knee-jerk reaction. And if it is, they're the first people to say, you know what, we're going to fix it. They do seem to if be If it that goes way. sour. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that I respect that. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a big company. As much as people love to think of it as their thing. It was a great comment made. I can't remember who, who made the comment years ago. It was a great line. And the line was, when people talk about PCs, it's the computer. When they talk about Macs, it's my Mac. This yeah. is my Mac. Absolutely. And I, I really That would make a good name for be, something, by the way. Yeah, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it hmm, I wonder <laughs> if I could think of anything that might... Hmm. Uh, as a writer and as a musician, what do the two have in common? Writing and music? Yeah. They have a lot in common. As far as I'm concerned, anything that's creative outlet is a creative outlet. Anything that you can come up with a, something in your head and be able to um, turn that into something. Well, with is, music, it's collaborative, and, and writing really be, isn't. Yeah. Well, no, they can both be. I mean, you write music and you, I mean, any time that you're, that you're creating something, no matter what that is, whether that's with a CAD program or mm -hmm. whatever it is, it starts with what's in your head. And that requires the ability to envision something based on a concept or an idea rather than, you know, X, Y, Z. It's, you see that with interior designers and architects where you, you look at a blank canvas, which may be a piece of land or whatever it is, and you can envision before one, you know, shovel hits the dirt what this thing will be when it's done and how it is incorporated into the surroundings and so that the aesthetic is there and so forth. Same with music. Music, you start with a melody or you start with lyrics or however you begin and if it's a really good song, you can hear it completely arranged and orchestrated for me before it's done. If you sit and you play through, and this needs to change, before, you know, all the editing aside, if it's really a good song, what you do with it doesn't matter. You can produce it to be a country song or R&B song or right. rock, metal, whatever you want. It doesn't make any difference. If it's musical, it will... It will cross the lines you can you can do whatever you want with it and i think anything creative is is possible uh to you you want to have the tools to do that so when you're when you have this concept in your head and you don't have you know at your disposal the bass player or whatever and you have GarageBand or you have logic or you have pro tools or whatever it is that you're using you then are just adding to the to the to the toolbox of things that you need to get this desired result. And again, that can be with design, graphic design. I don't care if it's digital photography, if it's writing an article, whatever it is. Um, the simple you know fact of having a good quality spell checker that operates as you go 
is the is a perfect example of of the computer you know catching something little even if it's not always right obviously the spell checkers are fallible but again these are these are the tools that anything that's creative can employ and i think that's one of the the best parts about how technology marries the analog world if you will the the um the ability to to have something created in front of you in in much less time than it would have otherwise um you know sitting you know on your couch you know you have uh, so the I technology mean, almost becomes a collaborator in a, in of itself yes it, yeah. it's part of the process now um especially one of the great one of the great tricks of that that David Pogue showed me years ago at an expo, probably in 99 or whenever this came out, I don't know the year, was um, both using Summarize in TextEdit, which is like the greatest little hidden feature. That nobody I, I, knows that about. So cool. Nobody uses it. Yep. You know, that's always cool. And also to use text-to-speech to read back. The summary. Any, Not just the summary, but a whole article. Mm-hmm. I've sat back, you know, sit back in my chair and and... And listen to paragraph by paragraph, you know, how does this read? Um, you know, you, you, how you catch yourself with sarcasm that doesn't translate properly into yes. text. Or, you know, things well, like it's that. it's hard to edit yourself, so, too. Yeah, and it's great. It's, it's all these things help, and they not only help, but they accelerate the process. Um, and one of the things that, that I, I think is amazing is Mac people don't just multitask. They do it tenfold. <laughs> and so yeah. I call it, and I, I'm, I'm going to trademark this, I swear. It's not multitasking. Tasking, it's omnitasking. That you can have the phone on one ear, you know, have, you know, Photoshop open and, and your, your Twitter client open. and Email you know, client. Yeah, email going and, and dribble a basketball or whatever at the same time. And have the television on in the background, and and you know, it, and not miss a beat for anything. Not everybody can do this successfully, but right. <laughs> I absolutely. But it, it's amazing that that this is possible, and I think that goes along the same lines of of having that side of your brain that's the creative part that that really has the foresight, literally. To, to be able to see something in its final stage before you've even started, and then the mission becomes to achieve that that I don't want to say vision that's that's really grandiose, but you know what I'm saying like I do the idea to to be able to work towards what you envision is the difference that that Apple products really give you the ability to achieve that going back especially to the the ad campaign with the kid doing the school project on his Mac and being multimedia based and you know back in you're going you know, way back now. Yeah, you know, but that's true. It is. I, I had an experience with a with a probably second more so now than then. Yeah, I was volunteering to to help with a school, and a second grader did a, a presentation uh, with Keynote that blew everybody's mind. Hmm. And and I'm sitting there like, man, this is cool. <laughs> well, <laughs> something years old, eh? Well, I had something similar using just the loops when GarageBand first came out. We had a contest on the old show using just the loops to put together uh, music. And you had to submit the GarageBand file to us. And we would know immediately whether you used any third-party loops because it wouldn't be installed on our copy of GarageBand. So it was pretty much uh, cheat-proof, right? Hmm. We had a teacher in, I think it was Florida, 
actually used our contest as, an, as a class assignment where all the students had to enter this contest. And I thought, that's a pretty innovative teacher right there, using the wow. new technology and making the students create music using this stuff and submit it. And none of them won, but um, from a judge's standpoint, there was some very creative stuff in there. Wow, that that's really exciting to see. Any any time that you can get that you can get kids to to be creative, and you, you know that's part of again, about the brilliance of the, of the interface, where you can see them jump into GarageBand. And I used to do a, a demo like that. We go into um, school or user group or whatever, and just you know set up GarageBand. What I what I would start to do is I would take a bunch of pictures, shoot a little video, and then ask them to pick you know a drum loop and pick a bass line or whatever. And we put the whole thing together and build it all in iMovie and toss it into iDVD. And then at the end of it, you know, after 90 minutes or whatever, I would hand them the finished thing that they created. Wow, that's cool. And that cool. just blew their minds, man. That was just like one of the most amazing things. And they would have this look on their faces like, I can put this in my DVD player at home. And I would tell the teacher, you can burn everybody a copy if you want, whatever you want. It's, you guys did it. It's, you know, there's the licensing on this is, you know, do what you want. These are pictures of you guys. You know, you can't broadcast it, obviously, because of the kids. But, I mean, you know, this was, this was really cool. And user groups, the same thing. You go into a user group presentation, and especially when the products first came out, and I, I was been so lucky to, to, to be able to do this stuff, you know, when it came out and, and get this stuff and mess with it. And, and thanks to a lot of the people at, at Apple and a lot of the press guys who certainly know far more than I, we would, you know, mess around and, oh, have you seen this and see that? And you come up with all these cool little things. Yes. And at the end of it, the wow factor was just amazing. I mean, it was just so cool. People would light up from this. You know, you can't do that with anything else. Doesn't seem to be, no. Uh, you mentioned earlier on the show about on tour. Could you explain what that is in case, you know, there's a lot of people that's not going to understand that reference. So when you well, say you were out on tour with, what do well, you mean? I, I've been involved in the music industry for a long time. I was very lucky to to have my first deal uh, with a major uh, before I was old enough to go into the bars where we were working, <laughs> and uh, nobody asked, and it was you know it was fun, and um, it was amazing to see how many people would would have um, even you know even you know one thirty C's and stuff like that. You know it was. It was amazing even back then. And so today, you see MacBooks and MacBook Pros everywhere between Logic and, uh, I mean, everything, everything. Pro Tools, um, not just for recording, for personal use. You know, it, back in the old days when you would put Pro Tools on a, on a system, that was the only thing you put on the system. Now you see guys with MacBook Pros that run Pro Tools or iMacs that run Pro Tools that are also they're using for their personal use with an external drive or whatever they're using. Don't always recommend it. That still, in my mind, is a, a little shaky. But, you know, okay. But as an example, on, on one big tour, and I don't want to name names necessarily, but there was a huge tour. We're in, a, in an arena and they had um, they had MacBook. I guess they were the early. I guess they were MacBook Pros, first probably first or second gen. Mm -hmm. And they brought their own airports in when and they <laughs> daisy chained them together. Wow! Before the venues had Wi-Fi. Yeah. And so they would have in the production office and the dressing room and then the various parts of the staging and the monitor world where in the console. They wanted to be connected. 
But we're standing. This is a long time ago. This is so funny. We're standing there, and everybody's opening up set lists and whatnot. And and I said, boy, it must be really cool to be able to use iChat instead of having to wear the you know the com. And the guy says, I'm sorry, what's that now? I said, well, you know, you have you have um, you know you have within the network you have you know Bonjour or whatever you know and whatever it was called back then or I guess it was just Apple Apple Talk whatever it was and he said wait you can do that within the thing and I said yeah press you know command 2 or whatever it was to pop the window open in iChat and sure enough he gets on the com he's like yeah man open iChat and suddenly they were able to without having to hear it they just blew the text up so anytime something would have to you know a cue would change or something would happen it was amazing to see this you know and that's one example of 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 not just using the recording software or the performance software but using just the you know the native you know the stuff that's built into the operating system um i mean it it it, it covers so much ground and when people are are on tour you know everything from mobile offices to just being able to use iChat and Skype to talk to their kids or whatever it is um another another application was one one time uh i was at home and it was whatever hour i don't even remember what time it was and i just happened to be awake and a client was in russia and big tour was over there and the engineer is on iChat and he said i don't know what to do the wireless for the system is giving me a hard time and and uh i'm not getting signal through it and i said well are, are you know you're on your your macbook or whatever it was your macbook pro he says yeah i said show me what do you mean show you i said turn the video on pick up the pick up the notebook <laughs> and walk around to the back of the console and show me what's going on i need to see what's wired where and that's how we that's actually how we did the troubleshooting and and we fixed the problem um that was amazing and and luckily for me because i still perform and i still work as a as a front of house and monitor engineer and all those things uh i keep those crazy hours to be able to do that and uh i still have people you know they'll ping me on iChat and just say hey you know I haven't seen this mic before. Or I haven't used this before. This console, especially now with the digital consoles and everything, it's it's all changed. So, all of the Apple products, as they relate to the the live touring business, uh, really work well hand in hand. Um, another really cool way to do this is because of UStream, and 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 uh, you can go into any club. A lot of the small clubs, even coffee houses, where they have live music. Yeah. Use they have open Wi-Fi, so you can just turn the thing around. You can either take, you know, you can have a little side, you know, sub mixer, a little small, you know, twelve channel or eight channel mixer. Take two lines off of the mixing board and two mics, and send a really nice sounding live broadcast out. As long as you know what you're dealing with and the bandwidth limitations you have streaming online. But that's going to change soon too. I mean, we're going to get to the point where bandwidth isn't even an issue for anybody. No question about it. It's 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 amazing how quickly it has changed relative to how long it took to get to the point where we could make these changes. What what changes big time when that's taken off the table? Do you think? Do you think it's live broadcasting? Do you think it's simply? I don't know. What do you think is going to be the big change when the bandwidth issue is off the table? I, I think that much the way things changed from dial-up to ISDN to DSL and so forth, yeah. I think we'll see the same changes 
um, in the ability to um, to do more that obviously requires larger files. I mean, you can't even imagine what it's going to do to the gaming industry. You can't imagine what it's going to do for, to put it another way, look at the video conferencing that's used for big companies that's on dedicated T1, T3, whatever. Right. And that quality, that quality coming to consumer will be tremendous. You know, I've been saying what would be cool um, if Apple made some kind of a, a television for the living room with iChat built right in. I'd still like to see something like that. I mean, I have personally a Mac Mini sitting in the living room, and all I would have to do is hook up a little USB cam to it, and I've got that right. I, I could do that at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think that's something that Apple would should jump into eventually? Because they don't own the living room at all. I'm I am a much bigger fan of having an Apple TV and a Mac Mini together. I have both. I would prefer not to see them come up with Apple branded televisions, although I certainly don't see it as an impossibility. I'm not the the guy to ask for that. I mean, in my opinion, there are two companies in the world that make great televisions, and the LCDs come from the same place. And neither of those companies is Apple. Sony and Samsung? Well, okay, sure. Anyway. (laughs) I'm just guessing. (laughs) Sony, Sony, to me is by far the best image quality out there. And, and talk about all the hats that I wear. One of them came from Pro Photo. And calibrating the, the balancing the color in some of the labs by eye, not by computer because they didn't exist. Right. And I still do my own color calibrations the same way I would tune an instrument. I'm much more confident. You listen in, to the I television? Got, I tune my well, to the speakers. Yeah, Sony speakers on their televisions certainly are better than sure, most. Sure, absolutely. I, mean, I although I have a uh, forty-six inch Sony LCD, I don't think I've ever had the audio turned up on it. Nope, no, nope, yeah, never. There's no question that the Sony displays, their televisions, are the if you adjust them properly, even out of the box, accuracy is the best. Contrast is the best. The density of the image is the best. The, the black level and white level are the best. They are, to my eye, for my taste, and I feel the same way about audio, you have to like it. It has to be for what you like. A lot of people like harder contrast. I do not like it. I like it to look natural. I want to see what my eye sees and hear what my ears hear without too much change to that. And the Sonys, to me, are hands down the best for that. Shouldn't, Apple, no shouldn't Apple just buy Sony at this point? Sony is struggling big time. <laughs> And they're very complimentary. Only, only one aspect of it. They, I can't imagine them taking the entire company. There's, there's too much. And just, I, just, I, I agree. Wish that on anyone. Take, take television and gaming. That's all they need. I, I, you know, that's a really great point, and I don't really know how that would play out. I want to think about that a little bit. That's, that's a very interesting notion. I, I like that. I also thought they should have uh, Apple anyway. Should have bought Nintendo. That's too late now, but yeah. I don't know, though. Interesting. That was an interesting... Th- well, I mean, all of these things are possible, but they instead, they'll just take all the good people and hire them away. Yeah, there you go. Apple doesn't really need... But they got to do something with all that cash. I mean, they've got a <laughs> lot of cash. And, uh, hmm. Yeah, well, we don't know what they have planned. Something. Who knows, who knows what, what you know what be. You know what they have planned, Daniel? They have plans to take more of my money, and they will probably <laughs> succeed. Because <laughs> they've been very good at it for about, I don't know, 20 years now, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. In fact, th- and this will crack you up, 
when I bought my uh, iPhone 3GS, I passed my original iPhone to my wife, who kept insisting she didn't need an iPhone. And mm-hmm. she uses it all the time now. So, yeah, she, don't, she doesn't need it, but now that she's got one. So she oh, asked me the other day, isn't Apple coming out with a new iPhone soon? And I said, yeah. And she go, and she's looking at her iPhone, and she just went, huh. And I thought, oh, boy, I've I got a monster on my hands all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a story she read about Walmart selling a 16-gigabyte iPhone 3GS soon. Something about that leaked. And she asked me if that was true, and I said, I have no idea, and I don't usually get into rumors. And she goes, well, would a 16-gigabyte iPhone 3GS be better than what I have right now? To which, I, of course, I said, well, yeah. It's twice as much storage and a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And she went, huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, oh, boy. Uh, one of the things, since we're getting close to uh, 50 minutes here on the show, one of the things that we do when we have guests on is play this or that. It's uh, it's basically just that. I ask you a series of questions, uh, and I give you a choice uh, between two answers. There's no right or wrong. It's all your opinion. Uh, sometimes you might want to elaborate on your answer because it demands an elaboration. Uh, other times, if it's pretty obvious why you picked that answer, then you don't need to. You ready to play? Absolutely. Four of the questions will be tech-related. One will not be. The first one is Twitter or Facebook. Yes. <laughs> Both, huh? I'm a big Pingle fan myself. I like Ping FM because I don't have the time to sit and go through all the silly games and things that some that are sometimes on Facebook. And sometimes I know that there are people, uh, for example, that might be on a on a particular tour or that I know are you know following my information. Uh, particularly after a, you know, like when the earthquake in California happened and I could say on one application or one website, I use it on my, on my iPhone. I go to Pingle, which I love and say, please check in, you know, West coast team or whatever. And I only have to put that in one place and it goes to my face, Facebook, it goes to all of them, any of them. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. So that sounds very cool. I think, I think to be effective, on a business side of things, you have to you have to look at all of them, but there's a there's a science to it. There's a there's a, a balance between humanity and and technique, and everybody thinks they know it all, and and you have to just know who you're talking to, literally. Yeah, if I read a uh, PR person that's trying to uh, garner business, and the first thing they mention is Facebook or Twitter, I move on. <laughs> right. <laughs> Next one, number two, Skype or iChat. Hmm. I chat for video and texting for by far Skype for for audio. The audio codecs in Skype are much better. You're wow. I feel like I'm listening to myself there. I've been saying that for a while now. I remember Steve Jobs when uh, I chat AV came out. He was bragging about the audio codecs, and I was looking really forward to it. But it's horrible compared to Skype. There's no comparison. Yeah. But no yet, question. I I think, though, that iChat is much more um, useful for everything else. Um, Yes. Texting is a lot easier. Text chatting is great on iChat. I think it's horrible in in Skype. Sharing screens on iChat is much easier than it is uh, than Skype. And file transfer speeds are better. I don't know. I have a lot of uh, good luck with Skype and file transfer speeds. I do, too, but... 
when it is a you, little faster. I, and, yeah, yeah, it's it's just just performance on the on iChat. I think is a little bit better, probably because it's it's not the same bandwidth that you need to do some of the things you do in Skype. Well, also I've noticed that if it's a really big file, Skype will start slowing down. Yeah. After a while, it'll start crapping out after a hundred megabytes. Whereas iChat doesn't. It seems to be pretty consistent all the way through. Yeah. Number three, laptop or desktop? Laptop. Really? More and more people are thinking. Especially going now. now. These i7, oh, i core i7 processors, forget it. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I've got the last new MacBook Pro. I've got the 15 inch. It's the, oh, you know what? I can't even think what it is right now. Let me see. Go to about this Mac. It's the uh, 2.53 gigahertz Intel Core 2 Duo. Mm-hmm. And to be quite honest, I mean, it's only like six months old. But to be quite honest, it, it's. It does everything that I need it to do. I do video editing on it. The show is recorded on it right now. Uh, I've got it hooked up to a RAID. I mean, it does everything. Yep. What I have, I, I have more external drives. I have. And we talked about this. We've talked about this. That I have my my OWC drives and my two servers, and that's where everything is stored anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't keep anything on my MacBook Pro. Uh, other than mail. You have know. you thought about putting a SSD drive in it? I have thought about it. It's a little, it's a little, a little pricey. Soon, a little soon for me yeah. To, yeah. to feel the confidence in it. And the stuff, it is pricey still, but I love the idea of it. You should I look think, at the uh, speed comparison video that Grant Delkey and I did up at uh, MacSales.com. Yes, I saw it. Grant sent it to me. It's it's very cool. Yeah, it's so. And, you know, watching on a video is one thing, but I've got to play with it in person and you know, that is the, the future. I mean, that's where this is all yeah. going. Mechanical hard drives are going to be a thing of the past. Oh, yeah. We knew when we saw the key drives, the little, you know, the little yeah. key drives, you know, the, not only the size, but the speed that they have now. Yeah. I'm just waiting for us to have instant on computers. When is that going to happen? Well, we're getting closer <laughs> Seems because like it. the well, the OS is more on the chip side than on the drive side. And, you know, that's what we're seeing in the phones. It, it's It's quite amazing. Number four, this is the last tech-related one, point-and-shoot or DSLR? <laughs> Again, I have to say yes. Yes, yeah. There's a I, there's place for both. I, I, will, I will name names on this one. I have been very vocal about, in my reviews, of the, a company that has not seen its due in many years in the U.S., which is Ricoh. Ricoh has a model, their current compact is a cx3 that is by far one of the most startlingly accurate sharp razor sharp great video little compact cameras i have it in my hand it's actually sitting here because i have to drop some photos with a with a 10.7 optical zoom lens that the image quality is so spectacular that it actually rivals the dslrs wow they have really, really done their homework, and this is very quick, a CX-3. They had a CX-1, 2, and now 3, and it was not a very long span of time between them. This thing, 1280 video, it is an, an amazing camera for the money, and it goes right up against the, the DSLRs. However, when you are really doing pro stuff and you need depth of field and you need to adjust your aperture and, and all these things, um, 
there there's nothing better the the quality of the ccds and the and all the chips and and the way that the sensors are cl- are self cleaning now and all this stuff it's a dramatic improvement they they are spectacular uh, i was i was fortunate to get to be the first person to review the one of the leicas that had come out uh for layers and and photoshop and and photoshop user magazine and and that's a, a that's a, a whole cut above everything else but I think there's a place for for both. I really, I really, really do. I love them. I, I love the cameras. I love the fact that I get to review them and play with them, and uh, the similarities. The, the it's definitely a narrow, a much more narrow field today than it was. Yeah. But I absolutely think if you're going to take a lot of pictures, you have both. But I mean, I I toss the CX3 in my in my in my uh, my jacket pocket or or in my 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 road case because the the quality is is absolutely. DSLR quality, wow! Truly an amazing camera. What's how? What's the price on that now? I believe it's a four hundred dollar, uh, somewhere hmm. around there. That's it's, not bad. It's, it's a spectacular camera. Rico, when I was a kid, when they had their range finders and stuff, that was always really fun. I think my first camera I ever had that was a decent camera was a thirty-five millimeter Rico range finder, and they kind of disappeared from the U.S. for a while. And boy, I'll tell you right now, were they the ones that just came uh, out with that commercial where? There's a woman walking towards the camera the whole time, and she says, it's got this, but that's not the surprising thing. It's got this, and it's not the surprising thing. And at the very end, she says, what's the surprising thing? This commercial was filmed using the camera. Oh, no, that's the Olympus. Was that, that Olympus? I, I thought the that Olympus. was the most effective commercial I've seen in years. Awesome. Yeah. The, I was and just again, like, wow. But I think part of it is that they, the companies are realizing that the optics, when you're in the digital realm yeah. – you put better quality optics, and Olympus has always done a great job. So is Canon and Nikon. Well, I mean, the a lot, season all these finale of House was shot on a Canon DSLR it's, camera. Yeah, it's great stuff. They it, Canon has that new T2i, which is which is a really nice. All of them. I'm a big Nikon fan for many years. For the they, average user, though, there's not that much difference between them anymore. Right. However, that was going to be my wanna, question. If you want to, if you want a camera to stick in your pocket, I, I'm, and I don't work for for Rico and and. Uh, I mean, uh, but I, I, I've seen so much progress with the quality of what they have, and the, the optics are great, and the, the zoom is spectacular, and the balance, the color balance is there, the, the density is there, the contrast is there, the accuracy is stunning, uh, and uh, it, it really amazes me, um, especially when I go to an event and I'm standing with a group of photographers, all with photo access badges. And I'm standing there with the little with the little Rico, right? And and you see them online, or you go to whatever uh, you know one of the one of the uh, photo uh, sites, um, and you see them side by side. There's a, a depth difference. There's no question that you, you're not going to replace a professional grade camera with with a with a, a consumer level camera. But not this yet. this thing, this th- I, I'm extraordinarily impressed by it. Hmm. Very interesting. Last one, and this is not tech-related. NFL or NBA? Interesting question. Um, I I have a very simple answer when it comes to things like that. Uh-huh. I will watch the last three games of anything. Yeah? I will watch the last three... When you're at that point where it's that good and it's the best of the best... I don't care if it's lacrosse. I don't care what it is. I'll watch the last couple of games or whatever of, of any great sport. Um, I have 
both been a fan of of NFL and NBA and NHL and everything else, and um, I find it entertaining because of the personalities that are involved as much as as the sport. Yes, the athletic itself. competition itself, huh? Yeah, but yeah. but I. I I will watch, like I said, I'll watch anything when you're when it comes down to the wire and you see the best of the best. That that to me is what's worth watching. His name is Daniel East. He is a, kind of a sports fan. Loves digital photography, musician, writer. Uh, I'm just waiting for him to be named the next uh, astronaut. I think that's the only thing missing on his resume at this point. Daniel, where online can people learn more about you? You can go to my website, which is danieleast.net. That's the, the easy way, and um, you can also look for my company, which is the ECI Group. That's E-C-I-G-R-O-U-P dot net as well, uh, and that's East Creative Intelligence. That's my, my consulting group. Are you on the Twitter? I am. Uh, that's the ECI Group on Twitter, and my, my personal stream, if you really, really want to be bogged down with my, <laughs> with my tweets, is East D, at East D. Daniel, really appreciate you coming on OWC Radio this week. We're going to have to have you back on again. This is great, and uh, full disclosure, I think this is the first time we've ever really had a discussion. I think we've seen each other before at Macworld Expo, but we never really met, so it was great meeting you for the first time. You too. Thank you so much, Tim. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. In the meantime, if you guys want to find out more about MacSales.com, I bet you can figure out where to go. Yep, MacSales.com. If you want to find any show notes to anything that we're linking to for any particular episode of OWC Radio, go to OWCRadio.com. We're always looking for feedback. You can send an email to podcast at MacSales.com or leave a voice message at one 901 We'll be back in one week and we'll see you then. 